Oh, he's a great God. So thankful for him today. Thankful for you guys. And you could be seated this morning. Um, the, the reading's a little longer than normal, so I'll let you be seated uh, during that. We'll finish up the last lesson uh, in the Victorious series. And uh, we have enjoyed this series. Last week was just a great lesson on the weapons of praise. And we have enjoyed uh, learning about God giving us the victory. This is also the last lesson in Discipleship Project. They have changed curriculum, and so we'll be looking at some of that, uh, some of the new curriculum. Uh, next week is similar, but it's just not the exact same, but it looks like it's going to be really good. And so we'll be starting that uh, in our September in the fall, starting in the fall curriculum. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> Amen. But praise God. So we're, we're thankful to be here today. And um, today, uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, the book of Revelation. So everybody's like, ooh, <laughs> Revelation. I don't like that book. Uh, good stuff. All good stuff. Revelation chapter 19. We're going to read from verse 11 down to the end of the chapter. John wrote and said, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he, shall, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he, which he, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so today, the last lesson in Victorious will, is just titled simply this, Armageddon. And we're going to read about this final victory. We've talked about the victory that David was given over Goliath in our first lesson, how God will guide the hands of people to, uh, to win battles that seem impossible to win. And we talked about uh, how that he made the sun stand still for 
uh, Joshua and the armies uh, as they were uh, fighting the battle and how God will move things and do great things to ensure our victory. Last week we talked about our weapons of praise, that God has given us praise so that we could steal the avenger, stop the enemy in his tracks. And today uh, in this final battle, Armageddon is because the battle has always belonged to the Lord. He didn't just recently take advantage of this. The battle has always belonged to the Lord, so we should faithfully follow him as he returns to bring us everlasting victory. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love and appreciate you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and thank you for the victory you give us. Lord, let us be encouraged today, Lord, that even at the end of time, victory is still ours through you, our God. We praise you for it. Bless us now to hear this word in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise today. What a great God he is. What a great God. Thankful for him this morning. So victory all the way to the end. You know, uh, this, this book, the book of Revelation, is, uh, you know, there are parts that people like like the very end where he just says, and whosoever will, let them come and take the water of life freely. There are other parts that are not so just, yeah, I really like that when you read about the martyrs and the, those who were slain for the testimony of Jesus Christ or even the maybe the scoldings of the Lord as he corrected his churches in the, to the letters, uh, reminding him of some things that he did like about them, but then some things that he had also against them. But mostly, Revelation scares people. And probably a lot of that is because uh, Armageddon or the apocalypse is such uh, a theme in the world in Hollywood, books and uh, movies that have been written have people see these things and read these things and they think this is what it's about and it scares them a little bit that uh, these things are going to happen that these things are going to come to pass of course most of what Hollywood writes or, or produces is not even close to what the scripture even says but still it gets people's minds to thinking if you say we're having an end time conference man that place will pack out because people really want to hear about the end time they want to know what's going to happen. People don't want to be in the dark. They want to understand what's going to happen. And so those things are good, and they actually help sometimes if you have someone who knows what they're teaching. The end time is not something to just take lightly, something to just uh, read through and say, oh, yeah, this is what this means. You better know what it means before you start saying this is what it means. Uh, I always, whenever teaching from the book of Revelation, I, I remember the words of my pastor and he would say, if you don't know what that means, don't teach it. <laughs> Stay away from it. He said, be big enough to say, hey, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to teach you something I don't know. Um, I want to be able to tell you the truth. And if I, I mean, I may have my ideas about what it means, but maybe I don't really know, so I, I'm not going to go down that route. Uh, I am not uh, an end-time prophecy teacher. There are people gifted for that, and I like to listen to them and be surprised. You'll listen to one. He's got an opinion like this. Another one's got an opinion like this. The thing we have to know is that it's just going to happen, and nothing will stop that. The reality 
is that the things you read in the book of Revelation are the word of God. And the Bible says that his word, every word of God is inspired of God uh, and that it's forever settled in heaven. It's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. But we don't have to be afraid of that because what we read and what we just read is that God has the victory even at the end. There is no need to fear what's coming because God has always and will always have the victory. He's going to be victorious and then by product his church is going to be victorious. He's going to make sure that we have what we need in these last days. Uh, there's an old saying that you know, maybe uh, we may have lost a battle, but we won't lose the war, you know, or that we win the war. Uh, you know, that's why we have scripture that tells us, when I fall, I shall arise, I'm going to be victorious. That there's no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper because I'm going to have the victory that nothing can separate me from uh, the love of Christ and that uh, I'm going to make it. And thanks be to God that gives us the victory. There's scripture after scripture that reminds me that it doesn't matter how young or old I get or how this world changes, the word will always mean what it means. And it will always spell victory for the church. For those that have uh, given themselves to the Lord, it's going to always spell victory. Listen, the, the subject of the end times and the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, uh, uh, Armageddon, all these things that seem so frightening, we don't have to fear because we know where it originated, and we know where it ends. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so I know who originated these, these words. I know who, uh, who's going to be there at the end. I know who wins. And we've said this a lot. We, well, we've read the end of the book, so we know who wins. And sure, we do. It doesn't mean these are not troubling times. And if there's ever been a time when we can really see the reality of the end, it, it is the days we live in right now. There's been more talk about the mark of the beast in the last couple of years than has been in a long time. You know, some people even think that uh, if you take a vaccine, you're taking the mark of the beast. I, I don't believe that. Uh, but uh, I do believe there's conditioning going on to accept some things that are coming. And I do believe this world, that uh, especially the church, needs to make sure that we are opening our eyes and that we are praying and that we are really seeking the Lord and getting ourselves where we need to be because I do believe that the end of times are upon us. We have so many things happening right now. There, are, uh, there is fighting and wars and rumors of war. There are other nations that are, are beating on the battle drums right now. They, they, they're letting uh, our country know who they're aligned with and kind of telling us where our place is at now. And uh, we have pandemic all around the world, across this country. Hospitals are overwhelmed. People are at their wit's end. People are afraid. Uh, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. It's the truth. This world is being shook right now. And, uh, but even though it is being shook, it is not out of the hand of God. God still has hold on us. And, and you know, and even Jesus said this, and it ties into this lesson, that when you build your house 
on that solid rock. In other words, when you hear his word and you live by his word and obey his word, you're like a house built on a sure foundation. And the winds can blow and the storms can rage and can beat against that house, but it will stand because it is founded on God's word. And so no matter how this world continues to shake, rattle, and roll, God's church is going to stand. God's people are going to be victorious, even all the way to the end. You know, right now, people in Louisiana are, are, are getting ready. They're about to get hit with a Category 4 hurricane. And they already have so much devastation down there from past hurricanes. They flood so easily because of where they are. It's gonna, if it's as bad as that they say it will be, then it, they will be devastated once again. But right now they are seeing an incredible surge in their COVID cases. And their hospitals are run over, just like in other states. But now they have the, the worry of, what if we have a lot of injuries from this storm? Where are they going to go? What are we going to do with the people? That's, that's what's happening. There are wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, things are happening in this world. The ends of the world are upon us, but we can still see victory. We have to know that God is going to bring us through this, out of this, because he has went away to prepare a place that where he is, we can be also. That's victory. God's going to take care of us in this world. He did not save us to lose. That's just a fact. He didn't call me to be his so I can be lost or so that I could lose the battles of this life. He has brought us through so many things uh, in our lives. He has brought us through uh, the ages and, and through uh, different sicknesses, different uh, uh, trials and tests of our own, our personal trials and tests. He, we, he has walked with us and kept us as a church, and th this church is still going and growing I was, I was talking with Sister Bibiana before church, and she said that she had heard that the underground church in Afghanistan went from about 200 people to about 3,000. Is that the right number? Is that about right that number? And I said, it reminds me of the book of Acts where it said that when the church was persecuted, that the word of God just grew and multiplied, and the church just, it was just like, you know, somebody stomp on an anthill, and suddenly you have more ants than you can deal with. They're everywhere. And God's not going to let his church be snuffed out. It's not going to happen. God's going to take care of us. We're going to have victory even in the end. Armageddon does not have to give you nightmares. Uh, the end of the world, the end of times, the things that are coming do not have to cause you stress and anxiety that you can't serve God because this word that was written here before John ever penned it, it was already settled in heaven. God's word was already settled and, and God had already predetermined I've got this victory the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world that victory was ensured for us from the very beginning the war is already won Jesus Christ has the victory and, and, and we don't have to be afraid because he is going to give us the victory through any war. Not just, I'm not talking about natural war, but I'm talking about this spiritual war, the things that we fight. God will give us the victory. And if we stay faithful to him and serve him, and, and we read in Revelation that there was an army of, of, of the saints that were in white linen and riding on white horses. You stay in that army. Stay faithful to him, and that's where you'll find yourself. You'll find yourself on the winning side. 
Because anybody that fights against God is going to lose. Fighting God is a losing battle. Even one of the Pharisees told when they were uh, wearing out the disciples and trying to decide what to do to them, he warned them. He said, you better be careful what you do with these guys because if they're telling the truth, you can't stop it anyway because you're just you're fighting against God. He said, if it's nothing, it'll burn out. But if it's God, ain't nothing you can do anyway. So be careful what you do. The world better be careful how they, how they come against the church because you're not just coming against the church. You're coming against his bride. And when you come against his bride, uh, the husband's going to stand up. And he's going he's gonna to make sure that he is taking care of his church. God will make sure that his church is victorious. He already has. And so these, uh, this battle this of Armageddon that we read about, uh, you know, the beast, uh, the devil, the false prophet, all these things, uh, the kings of the earth that will, can you believe they're actually going to actually believe that they can line up and fight him? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not giving you any credit, but, man, what a deceiver. That he could actually make people... If I am on the earth, but I can see an army of white horses coming out of the sky, I don't think that there's anything in my mind, we got this. You just turn around and say goodbye to whoever you're next to because it's fixing to be over. But, the, but he's such a deceiver. And that's what he wants to do is, is, is however he can get people to align. It said that the false prophet would, would produce miracles and things that would deceive people into worshiping and, and accepting uh, this beast, this image. And, and I, I can't fathom that in my mind, but somehow, some way, he's going to do such great things that I have to just keep remembering that Jesus said at the end, remember this, number one, right off the bat, Beware lest any man deceive you. And so we've got to make sure that uh, when you see, sometimes when you see things that look miraculous, does not always mean they're from the Lord. It doesn't mean that's, that's, that's a good way to lose your victory is to decide that every single thing that looks like a miracle is from God. Because even Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. They said, and if he can do that, it's no great thing if his ministers can do that. He has an army as well. He has uh, people that work for him as well. And they can do things and say things that seem so right. That's why, church, that's why I say today that you choose this day who you'll serve. And you serve the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength. And you just commit yourself to him. He has committed himself to us. So we need to commit ourselves to him and, and quit just using this, well, our humanity as a loophole and a crutch. Yes, yeah, sure, we are fallible flesh. I get it. But, man, we need to do our best to live right and to do right and to, to serve him. I mean, and, and quit hoping we're going to skate in and slip in and just barely make it under the wire. But be able to say with confidence, I'm going when he comes back. If I hear a trumpet, I'm gone. I'm, I, I'm not going, I, I don't want to feel like it's almost got me. I don't want it to bring me up to my tiptoes and that's all I get. 
I don't want it to make me feel like I just jumped a little bit and I hit the ground. Friend, I want to go. I want to be out of here. I want to meet him in the air. I do not know how that will be. But I cannot imagine any worse thing if it's going to be in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. So we, you know, all the movies, videos, whatever you've ever seen, everybody's gone. And maybe that's how exactly how it'll be. Or maybe it'll just be very fast and there'll be such a multitude that people will be able to go, what is that? It looks like people going up. I don't know what it'll be like. But I cannot imagine a sadder situation than to look up and know what that is and wonder why I'm looking at the bottom of the people's feet. I want to be ready to go. And friend, God has given the victory to us so we don't have to worry about that. With God on our side, we're going to win. And when we stay faithful to him, we're going to be all right. We're going to be in the right number. But this, I, I said this probably two years ago, that the, this time of casual Christianity is going to come to a screeching halt. Uh, this, this just whatever serving God kind of attitude is going to have to end. That people are going to have, and it's not that people are just trying to be, you know, uh, whatever, Lord, I, you know, I'll get to church when I can. Some people maybe, yeah, but I think most people have just, we, we settled, we got complacent, we got comfortable, everything was going fine. You know, we, we know the Lord's coming back, but man, everything's still pretty good. We're, we're busy with life. We're, we're doing all these things, distractions, distractions, distractions. And even things that are good for us can be a distraction and get our mind all, You know, in the days of Noah, it said they were eating and drinking. Well, how many of y'all eat and drink? Well, sure you do. They were marrying, giving in marriage. Well, we got several engaged in here about to get married, and, and it's, it's happening. You know, people are having children. It's getting new jobs. They're graduating school. They're, life just goes on. And he said everything that they're doing, nothing was wrong with that. It's just that's all they could think about. They were so engrossed in just life that they could not hear Noah. Peter said he was a preacher of righteousness, and they could not hear him saying, hey, uh, God's going to send a flood. There's destruction coming on the world. Yeah, whatever, I'm going to my wedding. Yeah, whatever, I'm going to my job. Yeah, whatever, I'm, I'm fishing to go get a hamburger. Whatever. You know, they're, they're eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They're, they're just living life with no thought that the end was actually going to come. It said they knew not until the flood came. Whew. That's not what you want. I don't want to be caught like that. I, you know, I was thinking about that scripture the other day. It said, Peter wrote about the days of Noah. He said, in the days of Noah, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure where into baptism doth also now save us. And, and then I, I immediately thought, the same water that saved eight, countless number drowned in it. Obedience. Obedience. There's a lot of people going to drown with a saving word all around them. But when we obey it, he, the Bible says that Noah did everything that God commanded. He did all of that. If I want to see how to get out of this world, well, I need to look back to these examples because Jesus said in the last days it would be like it was in the days of Noah. And it doesn't just mean evil. Yeah, sure, the evil part's there, but what did Noah do? 
A lot of times people focus on the evil that was in Noah's day. Cause it, and it's like that today. Sure it is. But what did Noah do to get out of there? He obeyed the word. And it was the water. It didn't say the ark. It just, you know, uh, it said that Noah uh, built the ark by faith. But eight souls were saved by water. Because an ark just sitting on dry ground, they would have died in it. But God was going to send his part. No, you do your part. I'll send my part. And so I'm thankful today that God has made a way for us. When he came, he came and he shed his blood. He purchased us. He purchased us. He did, God didn't create the church. He purchased the church. He's building a church. He's invested in the church. And, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave when he went to that cross and was buried and rose again. He, he, he took that. He snatched victory from our enemy so we could have it. He put a plan in place for us that if we would obey the gospel, repentance uh, remission, for remission of sins, being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for that remission of those sins, and then, and then uh, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 2, 38 and 39, for the promises unto you, your children, all that are far off. He, he made a way for us to get on his side, to get into his body. We're baptized into one body by one spirit. That's his recruitment process. That's how he gets us in the army of the Lord. That's why I can't understand how people have such a hard time obeying the gospel. But I don't want to. I don't want to drown in a word that could save me. You know what? You know what? A judge us at the end. His word. When we stand before him, it'll be his word. The Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But yet some will still perish. We've got to obey the gospel. The scripture asks us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? Well, I'll tell you, victory is not the end. Because if you want victory, you've got to obey. I believe that wholeheartedly. We've got to obey the scripture. We've got to do what he uh asked us to do and Jesus said now when you you belong to me these signs will follow them that believe they're going to cast out devils victory over devils they're going to speak with new tongues they're going to lay hands on the sick victory over sickness we're going to have victory he, he told us I've given you power over all the power of the enemy you've got the victory today God's going to give it to you he's already provided a way if we'll just obey do what he asked you know John the writer of this uh, book, Revelation, he, he, he has his gospel in three letters that also they wrote. And he's in his gospel in the three letters, just really, uh, you find so many things about the deity of, of Christ. And, and he, he just like he knew something about, maybe that's why he was the disciple that Jesus loved. He was really close to Jesus and he just knew uh, who he really was. And in the book of Revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He, he says, I see a throne in heaven and one's on the throne. But it's also about this end of time. It's about when things are going to come to pass and, and what's going to happen. And sure, John didn't understand everything he was seeing. He just began to write it down as he could. But uh, and, and, uh, God would give revelation to people throughout history to understand it. Maybe John didn't, you know, he saw things that he'd never seen before in these 
the visions that God would give him, but, but he, he would write it down because he knew the one that's given it to me is faithful and true. And he always saw the victory for the saints. He saw the saints being given white robes. They, they were given victory. He, he saw them, you know, worshiping God in heaven, a number that no man could number. And they, from all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all singing, you know, to the Lamb of God and just worshiping the Lord. And he said, I just, he just sees victory for the church. But he sees destruction for the enemy over and over and over again. It's going to happen. It's coming. But we're going to have the victory even at the end. I can't stop following him now. You know, many times we, we quote uh, what Paul wrote in Galatians. Don't get weary in well-doing. And we only apply that to our right now problem. What we're going through right now. But that's stuff to get you to the end. Don't get weary in well-doing. Because, you know, yeah, I want victory in my present trial. So I keep serving God. But more than anything, I want victory at the end. At the end of time, at the end of my life, whatever that end may look like. I want to receive the end of my faith, even the salvation of my soul. I want to make sure that when I come to the end, whatever that means for me, that I have victory, that I have not gotten weary in well-doing, that and I didn't just say, well, everything's going good. I ain't going to do nothing else. Some people, when things are going good, they stop doing good. But some, yeah, it's like they wait till things start falling apart, and they're like, oh, I got to go into maintenance mode because my life's falling apart. I must not be doing something right. But just do good all the time. Do good when things are tough. Do good when things are bad. Do good when things are good. When things are going your way, keep doing good. Do what's right. Don't get weary uh, in well-doing. We want the victory all the way at the end. And so when God set this stage for the final, this final battle, what a sight to have seen. I how John lived through his visions. You know, you read many times that people in Scripture would see things, they would just fall down as dead men. I don't know how he lived through some of these visions that he saw, but he saw this final battle, and uh, God set the stage, and God already knows the outcome. And if we put our trust in God, we know we're going to be on the winning side. The let me ask you, do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh? That he died on the cross? That he rose from the dead? You believe that? Man, don't you know what you got right there? And so you believe it, and now you obey it. You, you live the gospel. If you've already obeyed that, now you follow him. You take that cross daily, and you follow him. Don't you set that cross down. As awful as the cross was, it was a, a, a rugged bloody symbol of victory over sin over the devil over death over hell over the grave it was it was it was awful it was terrible for him it was terrible for what he went through but it was the victory and friend you you lay your cross down you lay your victory down you you're not walking under any power when you lay that cross down you're walking by yourself the cross was for everybody and when I take my cross, 
it's reminded. I haven't, you know, I, I've crucified my flesh. Paul said, it, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. And so, it, yeah, I've crucified my flesh. But if he had not done what he'd done, my cross means nothing. It's just, it's just myself. It doesn't have any power to it. But because of his cross, our cross has that power. And it's a reminder that I have been purchased with blood. Not with any blood, but with the blood of this spotless lamb. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus. And, and I, I have victory. Yes, I have. Um, he, he snatched us from the jaws of defeat. He snatched us out of sin. He, he did, uh, you know, it says having compassion on some making a difference. His, his passion made a difference on everybody. But some, he saved pulling them out of the fire. All of us, he's pulled us out of the fire because that's where we were headed without him. And uh, he's pulled us out. That, that lake of fire we read about. In that last, uh, there goes the beast, there goes the false prophet. And then all those others that were with them, that's where they went, into that lake burning with fire. I, I don't want to be there. That's not where, it's not prepared for the saints. It, it's not prepared for us. It's, it, it's not his will that we should perish. And, and we're, we're not supposed to be partakers of that wrath. We're supposed to win the victory. I want to be on his side. I want to be on God's side. Joshua said, you know, kind of a foreshadowing even maybe. He told Israel, he said, before you head into this promised land, you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And as long as they, if they had just stuck with God, he had already told them, I've given you the inhabitants of this land. You're going into a promised land. You're going into a place I want you to be. You're going to go through the water to get there. And as long as you stay faithful to me, there won't be a single man to be able to stand before you. I will deliver you time and time again. But why did Israel fail? disobedience they stopped doing what God asked them to do the writer in Hebrews said I believe it was in Hebrews said that you know the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith they, they you know uh, they heard that word it, it was uh, gospel to them but it didn't profit them because it didn't it, well hey God said we need to do this okay and then they did their own thing because they did their own thing, they lost terribly, suffered terribly, uh, went into, uh, they were you know, t taken into captivity. And, but even in all that, God still said, I love you and your mind, and I, I want to give you victory. So why not just choose to be on the Lord's side? Choose the victor. And so the key to winning every battle that we have Presently and at the end will be whose side are we on? Who do we belong to? And it doesn't matter. He's a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. Sure he is. But you know what? We're not ignorant of his devices. He's, he's sly. He's slick. He's subtle. But he can never, ever just overpower a child of God. What God gave us gives us victory. Whenever we are overcome, it is because we relinquished the power that God has given us. 
or we have ignored it or not activated it. But when his spirit lives inside of us, John said this, 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children. Well, God don't lose. And if I'm of God, neither should I. He said, you're of God, little children. You've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have victory through him. I don't have to be afraid. I don't know if we'll see what we'll see, if we will ever see that, uh, that enemy, that, that antichrist, that, that beast. I don't know if we'll ever see that with our eyes. I don't know when that's going to happen. It's going to happen, but I don't have to be afraid, and neither do you, because it doesn't matter what he's doing to the rest of the world. He cannot overcome a child of God. He cannot, what I'm I'm saying is he cannot take their victory. He may take their life, but he can't take their victory. That's what I'm saying to you today. God gave us access to everything he has because we're his children. And so when we seek out eternal life through him and to live for him, we're we're living for the one who has all power in heaven and earth. God's given us victory through that. Man, why not live for God? I know we, we, we scratch our heads. We wonder why people just can't accept and believe and understand. And, but there, you know, it's just people tangled in the world. One, one writer said, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this life so you can be a good soldier well, that's what I want to be, a good soldier. I don't want to get so tangled up. You know, I don't want to get so worried about you know, politics. And, and I say this all the time. When it comes election season, don't get too wrapped up in that politics. Man, it'll, it'll make you stop being right with God. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll relinquish your, the gospel for the politics, and you'll hurt people and offend people and run people off. And you just... You know, hey, you got your opinions, that's fine. Vote for who you want to vote for. Don't vote at all. It's up to you. But, man, don't get in fights on Facebook about politics and, and, and don't get wrapped up in all the stuff that's going on now. The, the, don't, don't let them gaslight you. You know what that is? They're saying things to push your button into just, you know, because there's always things that's our little pet peeve and, and you see it and you're like, ooh. I want to jump in this ring. No, you don't. 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 Because you think, well, I got an answer that nobody can top. And as soon as you do that, here comes somebody who posts something about that long. It makes you look like a dummy. And you're always outnumbered. Just don't do it. Just don't, just don't do it. You don't overcome evil or with evil, you overcome evil with good. Just keep being good. Just man, don't don't get drawn into the so. You know what? Just enjoy social media for your friends and your families and people that's negative and crazy. Block them, unfriend them, get rid of them. Just get that stuff out of your life. You know, uh, you don't need it. Don't don't. You know, one writer said, "I will set no wicked thing before my eyes." Or I don't look at nasty movies, Pastor. I'm sure he wasn't writing about nasty movies. He didn't know nothing about nasty movies back then. 
Sure, that applies. But when you see somebody causing division, that's wickedness. Hello? You see somebody posting gossip, that's wickedness. You see somebody throwing off on the church. I'm talking about as a whole because the church seems like it's just an easy target in this day. Man, that's, I've said, you know, you, you talk about my wife. Man, you're going to have some problems. So why do people feel so comfortable talking about the, the bride of the Lord? No fear at all. Just, just to say anything they can about the church. Well, when you say the church, you, you're lumping everybody in. And everybody, maybe you got hurt in a church. Sorry. Maybe you got hurt in this church. I'm extremely sorry. But the church as a whole is not to be thrown away because of one single incident that happened. And God forgive us and God help us to overcome when we do things that are wrong and stupid because we are people. And we don't want to do things that are wrong and stupid, but we do. But the church, God's church, the church in his eyes is flawless because he's looking at what it's going to be. Not, not just what it is right now. He knows what it is right now. He, he factored in our humanity, our imperfections, the things that we would do, our silliness, our foolishness. He, he factored all that, our pride, our egos, all the things in. And so he gave us ways through his word to overcome it. And that's, and that's what wins that battle that we read about in Armageddon. The Lord's word is a weapon. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12 that his word is sharp and powerful like a two-edged sword. A two-edged sword. And you can swing this way, hit somebody and come back this way and hit them. Just clear a path. You don't have to flip it. You just swing it back and forth, back and forth. and just clear you a path all the way to glory. But the Lord said there was a sword proceeding out of his mouth. That's not an actual sword. That's not what he's doing, but it is his word. His word created the worlds. By faith, we know that the worlds were created by the word of God. That's scripture. His word, when he walked this earth, it displaced devils. His word, peace, be still, stop the storm, calm the sea. His word, Lazarus, come forth, raise the dead. His word, take up your bed and walk. Healed the sick. It was his word. And in the, at the end, he doesn't need anything greater than his word. His word is that sword. And, and I don't know what he is saying, what he is proclaiming, but it is destroying every single enemy. Destroying them, just cutting them down. <clears throat> Stops them right there. And that's all we need to make it through. You don't need anything more than his word. Uh, sure, we, there are things we do. We praise him. We pray. Those are those things. But that word, praise would mean nothing without his word. Prayer would mean nothing without his word. But his word, we are born again by the word of God. That's the scripture. And so the longer we know the Lord, the more precious that word is. And the more we depend on his word, the more we realize that it is a great weapon against the enemy. In the wilderness, Every time he, Jesus was tempted, it is written, it is written, 
It is written. He just kept saying, it is written. And I cannot go past what is written. If Jesus won't go past what is written, you and I can't go past what is written. There is no new revelation that gives me freedom that Jesus didn't have. Hello. <laughs> Listen, we cannot separate from his word. You can't separate God from his word. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You can't separate God and his word. And then the word was made flesh. Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh. They're one. So John referred to God as a word. Philip, you can come to the music, brother. And in the, when John saw this great king, this, this rider on this white horse, in Revelation 19 and 13, it said he was called the Word of God. He saw him again. He wrote about him in his gospel, and then he saw him again, the Word of God. Well, who, did, who was on that horse? We know who it was. God's Word is the most powerful tool that we have against any enemy. It doesn't say that one single saint fought or killed anybody. It just said that word came out of his mouth. and They were there. We're just going to be there to watch it. Because the battle has always been and will always be the Lord's. It's going to be his. And uh, he's going to do that. The enemy cannot stand when the Lord speaks. He stopped every natural thing with his word while he was here. He's still stopping things with his word today. That's why it's so important to, to pray the word. I know a lot of you ladies used to have that book, Pray the Word. But it's essential for us when we are praying, pray the word of God. And, you know, you know that, that brother we've been praying for, Dwayne Torres, the one who's so de desperately sick, desperately sick with uh, the COVID and the pneumonia. Then he had other complications. He had a tear in his lungs. He was bleeding. There was a, an issue with him, just kept bleeding. Well, the, people started praying the scriptures, the Lord stopping the blood. And this morning the update is that all the bleeding is stopped. Pray the word. He's improving. Hey, he's, he's, he's been to the edge. They thought he was going to go out, but now he is on his way back. And, and he's, he's still, yeah, he, he's not out of the hospital, but everything was great. He's improving. He's, he's headed back. Prayers and people praying the word. The, the bleeding has stopped. These different things that were really hindering him have stopped because the word is powerful. And God gave us his written word. You can stand with me now. And when any battle ever gets overwhelming, use the word. Just use the word. There'll be one voice in your head saying, go ahead, do that. And then there'll be the voice of the word of God saying, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. Or I'll, you know, uh, I, I won't let my good be evil spoken for. Or I will abstain from the very appearance of evil. Or you know, there'll be something that will remind you, you know, this is not what we do because God's word says this and, and quote that word and pray that word and the enemy's got to go. The word will destroy that enemy. And so God's going to win the greatest battle of all time. There'll never be another war fought, another battle fought like the battle of Armageddon. And he's going to have victory through his word. Friend, the greatest battle you'll ever face, you'll get victory through his word.
Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for what we've learned about the victory that you've given us. And God, I pray that we'll learn more and more as the day draws on, as that darkness starts to come upon this world. Lord, that we'll lean on your word, trust in your word, walk in your word, live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for that weapon of our warfare. God, we praise you for it. Help us, God, to be ready. We know you're coming soon. Let us be ready to meet you in the air, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We bless you today. Do all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give him a hand clap of praise in this house. What a great God. What a great God. Thankful for the victory that he gives us. Amen. Uh, our next service, um, Brother Carlton Kuhn will be preaching in this next service. Uh, he may be out there already. I don't know if he is, but he's, he's bringing some of his books. One of the greatest uh, Christian authors that I know. I love his material. Very easy to follow and just uh, so uh, easy to apply to our walk. So some of you young ministers, you won't be checking his books out. Uh, any Saints, I mean, really, he's just got books for everything. Great guy. We're looking forward to God just moving in this next service. Quick word about the Move the Mission. I'll, I'll mention this again. If you're giving in the Move the Mission offering, uh, it will all be taken up in one offering. If you want to just combine it all in one check and not write two checks, you can do that. Just make sure on your envelope that you designate, this is my tithe, this is my move the mission offering, okay? So we can count and keep up with what we got, all right? Thank you for that. Fill those envelopes out neatly and completely. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.